You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. the series that I started uh, <clears throat> four weeks ago that we titled Fearless, and uh, the whole thrust of this series has been uh, every person has a dark place that we have to face in our lives. We have those places of fear, we have those places of anxiety, we have those places of phobias, and, uh, and, and it's a very uncomfortable place for us. Uh, it's, a, it's a very difficult place for us to stay, um, but what I've been trying to bring out in, in each message is that God meets us in the dark places just like he meets us in the light. Moses met with God, not in the, in the brightness of light, but he met with God in the cloud, and the glory of God was revealed to him in the, in the cloud, and, and so it was in a dark place. Uh, Abraham uh, God took him out and showed him in the night sky, your descendants will be as many as these stars that you see. He didn't give him the promise in the day. He gave him the promise in the night. And so a lot of us, when we are uh, going through, through life, uh, we kind of shy away from those dark places, don't we? Uh, we don't want to uh, come into uh, that experience because it's very, very it's very uh, it's scary for us. When you were a kid, you, you would say, there's monsters under my bed, right? You'd yell to your parents, hey, there's monsters under my bed, and, and there's, uh, there's, some, there's a witch in the closet, or there's this and that. And, and uh, uh, a lot of times, um, you, you never face those monsters under your bed, and you never face those whatever are in the closet, and, and it, 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 it plagues you. And, and I've been transparent about uh, some of the things that I deal with and I struggle with because I think it's important for all of us to be honest with ourselves, with God, which he knows everything, and, and, and with each other. And so t- today I want to talk about something that's very real. Last week we talked about the fear of failure. Had many people come and tell me, you know, that, that God really touched them. And um, today we're going to talk about the fear of rejection. I think all of us want to be accepted. I don't think there's a person alive that wants, that, that doesn't want to be accepted. I, I grew up uh, right next to a school called the Wilson School. I, I lived in, in what was known as Chinatown in Lordsburg, New Mexico, and, and, and there was the tracks that, uh, <clears throat> that, that uh, divided one side of the town from the other side of the town. So I lived on the south side of the town, and it was called Chinatown. And it had a, a, a school right next to it that had been shut down um, because of whatever circumstances. And my dad actually bought that school. He bought that property. But I remember going into that, to that, uh, to that school to play baseball, uh, sandlot, you know, sports, and we football. We play all kinds of things in the in the lot. And uh, what was really really uh, uh, prominent about that school was, uh, as my father told me the story of it, is that that was where the the Hispanics went to school back in the 40s and 50s. 
So it was a great school that only Hispanics would go there. So the, the Anglos would go to another school across the tracks. And that was very foreign to me because I went to school with, with every ethnicity that there was. But when my dad went to school, he went to school only, in grade school, only with Hispanics. And then they integrated as they went into uh, senior high. Um, and so there were a lot of uh, feelings that, that he had in his heart because of the, let's hear this word, because of the rejection of him being able to be with other people. There was a day in our lives and, uh, that uh, people in the South, that they couldn't drink from the same water fountain that other people could drink from. And the people that could not drink from those other water fountains probably felt rejected. I mean, we sometimes think it's, 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 it's foreign, but the reality is that everywhere we go, there is those dividing walls. You know, we, we live in a world where we, where we divide ourselves from other people. We divide ourselves from other people groups. We divide ourselves from political groups. And so there's this great, great divide. And what it causes is a lot of rejection. And maybe you're in here today and you've been rejected. And my prayer is that the Lord will allow me as his vessel to speak into your life so that you can find, just like Ephesians 1.5 says, that we are accepted in the beloved. We're accepted in the beloved. And, and in Christ, you find this acceptance. But it doesn't change the fact. It does not change the fact that, that every one of us have faced uh, some kind of uh, rejection in our, in our lives. In fact, psychologists... Psychologists have said that rejection is one of the most common emotional wounds that people face every day. Let someone down, they feel rejected. You um, maybe put an a, uh, expectation on, on, on a, a parent or uh, a, a son or a daughter or even a friend and, and they, 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 fall, uh, they fall through and they, don't, they, they fail you in that way, you feel rejected. And, and I want you to think about something. It, it used to be that we were prone to rejection. It used to be that we were prone to rejection from uh, our, our, our circle of influence, which was very, very close to us. Our family, our immediate family, Right? You get rejected by your immediate family. And that's, that's kind of a norm. Your older brother, you better expect you're going to get rejected from your older brother. And even, you know, I got rejected from my mom. I loved her to death. And, and, and I'm just, I wasn't rejected. She loved me. Like, but I'm just going to speak this. It's funny. She gave me my brother's pants. When, when he grew out of them, she, I had to wear his pants. I was rejected. I wanted new pants. If you ever had hand-me-downs, right? My younger brother was, was blessed because he was too big to wear either one of our pants. <laughs> right? So it used to be that we were, we were prone to our immediate content, you know, context of, of, our, of our family, immediate family, or maybe our peers, right? You went to school and you got rejected, but now we live in a different world. We live in a different age. We live in, in uh, a digital age. We live in social media. We live in the World Wide Web. 
where we put things uh, instantaneously. In fact, uh, you find out things that are happening across the world in instant time. Did you know that? And, and so what happens when you can find things out instantaneously is that there is a bigger, bigger potential for you to get rejected and to get rejected in a lot greater content. There was a guy by the name of Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong was one of the greatest cyclists that ever lived. And Lance Armstrong, I think he won seven Tour de France's. The Tour de France is the greatest bike race that there is. It's the most difficult bike race that there is. And so uh, Lance Armstrong won all of these Tour de France uh, says, and, and everybody was on the bandwagon and saying he's an amazing cyclist. And of course, he's an American. He's American. He's great. And then they found out that he was doing some things that were helping his performance, that he was using some stuff. And uh, I, I don't know, I, I didn't even look this up about what happened to him after those allegations and what happened. Um, it was he, if he was stripped from the... From the um, from those titles, but Lance Armstrong went from being a very well-talked-about individual to rejected by many, many, many people. And Lance Armstrong, he said this, he said, a boo, a boo is a lot louder than a cheer. He said, if you have 10 people that are cheering and one person that is booing, all you're going to hear is the booing. I think what Lance is telling, uh, uh, was telling that interviewer was that all you're going to hear is the rejection. How many in your life, uh, or how many of you in here, in your life, have you been uh, cheered on by several people, and then someone tells you something negative, and all you think about throughout the day is that negative comment? It plagues us. We, 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 we struggle with it. We, we, we get into these dark places of rejection, and, and, and sometimes people can't get out of it, right? You just can't get out of it. It's just a dark place, and, and it doesn't matter if people are saying, man, kudos to you, wonderful to you, great to you. You just keep thinking about this negative, negative comment and how that rejection cut to the heart. And anyone who's in, in, in any kind of public uh, 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 work, uh, you know this in a, in a great way. You know, any pastor knows that Mondays are, are cruel. You go home on Mondays and, and you think about maybe if someone says something about your preaching or, or maybe you just think something and you got the devil on your back and you're thinking, man, I just, I just even if four or five or six or ten or twenty people said that was amazing, which that's another sermon. <laughs> that's amazing. But someone says, man, you, were, you weren't on your A game. Oh, that's all you think about. I'm worthless. No good for nothing. And you're in this dark place. But even if you're not in the public, all of us have faced rejection. And when you face rejection, it's a very, very, very dark place. So we're going to go to a, a psalm. I want us to go to Psalm 27, and da King David is, is writing there, and, and it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's a psalm where we find uh, a person who is not only facing his fears, but a person who is in the dark place of rejection. 
And today, today is about facing our fears. Okay? Today is about navigating through this dark place of rejection. Because here's what I know for sure. That in our darkest places, you can find glimpses of hope. In the darkest nights, you will see the brightest stars. In the darkest places, you'll hear the greatest sounds. If you've ever been camping and you hear the, the night sky and you hear the, the crickets or you hear just, uh, uh, you know, whatever that's going on, it just really, if you listen, it can be a beautiful sound. And so as we, as we go through this sermon, my prayer is that all of us will be able to navigate through these dark places. So let me pray. Father, thank you for uh, everyone here. Holy Spirit, just fill this place. We know that you're here already, and, and so I, I just thank you for your presence. Uh, as I speak, I pray, Lord God, that I will speak in a way that glorifies you. Let me champion Jesus in my words. Let us leave here today knowing that we were in the presence of God. Not because of any human here, but because of Christ living in us through the Holy Spirit. And so just bring the word alive. Make it, make it alive to us, Lord. We pray this in your name. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So it starts out like this. It says, the Lord, is, the Lord is my light and my salvation, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and they will fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Hear me. Hear me, Lord, as I pray. Be merciful and answer me. My heart, and this is, I want you to kind of just really let this penetrate. He says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Here's a highlight. Do not reject your servant in anger. You've always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O oh God of my salvation. Here's a highlight right here. Even if my father and mother abandon me. Even if my father and mother, if they reject me, the Lord will hold me close. I want you to think about uh, a time that you were rejected or you felt rejected. How did it make you feel? What did it do to your emotions? What did it do to your self-esteem? What, 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 and, and even go further than that, what is it doing to you now? I think a lot of us um, have some emotional hangups. You know, we, 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 we work, we thrive to have a physical, uh, uh, healthy body. We, 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 we strive, we strive to eat right. We strive to, 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 to do better as far as our outside. But I think a lot of people, a lot of people are dying with emotional and mental health problems. 
It's the unspoken thing. No one ever says, hey, man, my mind, I, I think I'm going nuts. You ever said that? You ever, you ever gone up to somebody and said, hey, yeah, oh, one, one person said it. One honest person. I, I usually say, I don't ever say I'm going nuts. I'm saying, you're driving me nuts. You know, I, I do the Adam thing. Lord, it's that person you gave. It's, it's that woman you gave me, Lord. You know. Blame her and blame God, right? We don't talk about the, the, the mental uh, uh, anguish that we're having. We don't talk about the emotional anguish that we're having. You know, but every person, there's, in fact, every one of you, every, even in the back, those young people in the back, there's something going on in their minds. There's something that, that they're dealing with. There's something that we're struggling with. There's something that we're trying to overcome. And that's what David was saying. He's saying, you know what? I'm, I'm dealing with these things. And, and when, have you ever written some? Let me, let me go back. Why do we write things down? Because they're important to us and so that we don't forget. You know, the Bible was written because it's important to us. It was important to the author. And he wrote it down. You know? I got to write this. This is important right here. The Holy Spirit instructing them to write these things down because they're important. They're vital to us. And so David's writing, and every psalm that you look at, there are different circumstances. There are different situations. Here he's talking about fear. Why? Because he was dealing with fear. He was talking about rejection. Why? Because he was facing rejection. And so I put together like three pitfalls to watch for in the darkness of rejection. Here are three things that I think uh, that, that we can maybe help uh, uh, watch out for as we go through rejection in our life. Because we're all going to be rejected at one point of our life or we already have been rejected. So here's number one. Don't ever believe the lie that says God is rejecting you. Don't ever believe the lie that says God is rejecting you you the reason i say that i think it's the first tendency for all of us god where were you god why am i going through this david made a declaration because not because david was a brilliant man but because the holy spirit was directing him to write this down the Holy Spirit working in a child of God will always have you declare that God is your light and your salvation. Did you know that? In the darkest of places, the Holy Spirit will always direct us to declare that the Lord is our light and he's our salvation. And then he will begin to speak to our hearts, why should you be afraid? It wasn't like David was this brilliant man. If you read the life of David, David did some very bonehead things. But here he's declaring because the Holy Spirit's directing him, the Lord is my light, the Lord is my salvation. Why should I be afear, uh, afraid? The, the Lord is my fortress. In other words, he's my protective place. He's my refuge. He's my home. I was talking to someone just this week about how we have always tried to safeguard our home. Our home is a place not only for us, but for our kids. That's a safe place. He's talking, the Lord is our safe place. 
The Lord is our fortress. He, he is a place where you can go and you can be you and you can relax in his, in his awesome protection. He said, protecting me from danger. Why should I tremble? Why, the reason David was saying, why should I tremble, is because he was having moments of trembling. Have you ever been like, why am I shaking? Why am I so scared? Why, why, am, I, why am I going through this? You know, why am I, the Lord, the Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my protector. You see, in our... In our uh, <clears throat> David, David made it a point to declare his faith in God from the onset of his prayer because in his dark place, he was going to hear every voice imaginable telling him to do the opposite. In our darkest places of rejection, we tend to listen to the voice that says God doesn't care. You been there? In those places that you're, you're in your most uh, rejected place, there are those voices that said God doesn't care, and you begin to listen to them. And here's the thing. Nobody, all scholars that have studied this, nobody can really pinpoint when David wrote this psalm. He could have written it when, whenever he was running from Saul. Saul was jealous about David. He rejected David. He wanted to kill David after David did so much for King Saul. It might have been during his time with Absalom, his son. Absalom wanted to be king, and he chased his dad, wanting to kill him as well. It was a place in David's life that was very dark, and there are places in our life that are very dark when the imaginable or the unimaginable Things happen and we are rejected and we have so many conflicting voices. And one of the loudest voices that we hear is always screaming to us, where is God? I'm leaving on Thursday to go to a service in West Covina, California, of a relative of ours that died at 30 years old from a silent heart attack. Active young man, never had any problems. I asked my, the congregation, you guys, who I love, to be praying for me so that God will give me words of comfort and restoration for a family that's broken. And one of the questions that's coming from family members is, where is God? In those places that you're rejected, you begin to cry out, where is God? How do we know that? Jesus on the cross. He cries out. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you rejected me? And he's crying out from the heart of us. That in our most difficult places, sometimes in our life, we're not rah, rah, rahing. We're saying, Lord, where are you? Why am I going through this? Why is everybody against me? Have you noticed that there are seasons in our life, and I've told my, I have raised my young adults to know this. No, I can't even call them young adults now. They're 
I want to say young adults because I want them to be, but they're adults and I'm getting older. But I've always told them there are seasons in your life, there are seasons where you're going to be the most popular person and there are seasons that you're going to be the duck. You will not be, that's just life. There are times that people cheer for you. There are times that don't, people don't. Jesus never did anything wrong, and yet he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We need to understand. We need to understand that those thoughts and those images and those voices of God not caring are the furthest thing from the truth. The psalmist in Psalm 94 said, the Lord will not reject his people. The Lord will never, never reject his people. Uh, the Holy Spirit whispers to us like the Holy Spirit whispered to the Israelites when he said, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally, he will go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will... He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Even in the dark, even in your rejection, even when people come against you, even when, when those people that you trust fail you, which is point number three, the second, the second pitfall, point number two, the second pitfall we need to watch for, this is important right here, don't magnify the rejection of others by inflicting self-rejection yourself. Don't magnify the rejection of others by inflicting self-rejection. In other words, when people are kicking you when you're down, do not kick yourself too. I was thinking about it physically, and your anatomy tells you the Lord wants you to kick outward. Could you imagine if he let you, if he put the foot coming this way? How many of us would be kicking each other in the hiney? You dummy. Right? Sometimes we kick ourselves, we kick ourselves, we kick ourselves. Here's the thing. Rejection is extremely painful, and sometimes in our pain, we can start to say things about ourselves that make us feel worse. You ever been in a dark place and ever said to yourself, I'm worthless? Maybe you haven't, but I have. You ever said to yourself, I'm stupid? You ever said to yourself, I'm fat? You look at the mirror and you say, well, you are. <laughs> I'm dumb, you know? David, this is so important, guys. David prayed. He said, hear me as I pray. Now, now it's just important. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer, answer who? Me. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with who? With me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. And he says, don't turn your back on me. Don't turn your back on me. David's saying, me, 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 me. Because the Holy Spirit wants you to know that sometimes you have to take a front and center. 
when everything is against you, when people are rejecting you, when you're going through all this pressure, you are important to God. Two of the greatest people to have on your side is Jesus and you. Two of the people to have on your side is Jesus and you. The reason is that God will never fail you. He will never abandon you. Never, 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 never. And here's the thing. You have no control over the people that are rejecting you. But you have all the control over yourself rejecting yourself. Billy Joe put it like this. Billy Joe, boom, 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 boom. He said, I really wish I was less of a thinking man and more of a fool not afraid of rejection. And Billy Joe is not saying that fools don't think. He's saying he's crazy for overthinking what critics say about him. Here's a word I want you to learn. I want you to write it down. It might be in your outline. Here's a word that I learned this week. I love it. Rumination. 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 You ever gone to pronounce this? It tells you three times. Rumination. And rumination means this. It's the action or process of thinking deeply about something. When you're ruminating, you think about something, you think about something... But not only are you thinking deeply, you're overthinking and you're not letting it go. Have you ever played something over and over and over and over in your head to the point that you begin to speculate and it consumes you? You're ruminating. In fact, you can be with other, Have you ever been with people, you've been with a crowd and you still can't stop thinking about that rejection? think about it, you think about them, you think about what they said, you're ruminating. I was watching a TED talk this week by Dr. Guy Winch, and, and he, 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 he was, he's a psychologist, he's a PhD, and he said this, and it's, it's, it's incredible, he said, um, because this is what I want you to know, that when you go from, that you will naturally go from rejection to loneliness to depression. That's going, to be the, that's going to be how you're going to be rejected, and if you don't get a hold of it, it's going to pick, take you into a lonely state, and then it's going to take you into a depressed state if you don't grab a hold of it. And, he, and here's what he said. He said, loneliness is defined as purely subjective. Subjective means that it's your internal gauge. It's how you view Things. It's, it's your outlook. So loneliness is defined as purely subjective. It's how, it's how you gauge it. It depends uh, solely on whether you feel emotionally or socially disconnected from others around you. In other words, you and you alone are the greatest determinant of your loneliness because there are a lot of people that are lonely and they have all kinds of people around them. But in their mind, in their ruminating they're thinking, nobody cares. Nobody cares about me. And you have all kinds of people around you, and you keep thinking about the negative, negative situations in your life and how these people, and you can't even let them go. You're, you're, being, you're lonely. You're, you're just, I don't have anybody around, and yet you have people around. 
Nobody's around, and yet God's around. But you're ruminating. You're, you're, you just don't let it go. And you get to this place of loneliness, and there's someone in here that's there. And you're emotionally and you're socially disconnected. And not only is it, this is so important, you can check me out on this, not only is it emotionally damaging to you, but it'll damage your physical health. It has been found that loneliness will raise your blood pressure. It has been found that loneliness will raise your cholesterol. I thought it was the enchiladas. It's not good for us. But here's what I want you to grab a hold of. Loneliness is not dependent on other people. It's dependent on what you do with your mind. Here's my last, uh, my last point. This is for all of us. Don't set yourself up by believing the lie that those that are close to you can't and won't reject you. You ever forgotten the birthday party of someone you love? A birthday, birthday, happy birthday. Nobody in here. Shauna and I, two years in a row, we forgot our anniversaries. Thank you, Jesus, she forgot. She called, she called me two weeks afterwards. She called me to, hey, babe, guess what I forgot? I said, what? I forgot our anniversary. I said, yeah, you did. <laughs> I was just waiting to see if you did forget. Don't, don't set yourself up by believing the lie that those that are close to you can't and won't reject you. Not only is there a potential that people may reject you, they probably already have, whether it's purposely or not. Jesus, uh, Isaiah prophesied about Jesus in, in chapter 53, and this is, this is, this is what was going to be the, the personality and actually what uh, the, the, the Messiah was going to face. He was despised. This is, this is Jesus' life. He was despised and rejected by mankind. He was a man of suffering. He was a man that was familiar with pain. He was like one whom people would hide their faces because he was despised. And, and, then, and then he says, and we held him not in high esteem, but in low esteem. But have you noticed that the world is set up where people get rejected? Right? Because of this faulty world and you're saying, oh man, it's so negative today. I'm not being negative, I'm being real. Right? Because of this faulty world, there has always been lanes in which we get rejected. There, there have always been avenues which steer us into rejection. That's why, that's why David wrote, he said, my father and my, and my mother, they may abandon me, but the Lord, but the Lord, but the Lord, but the Lord will take care of me. Because some of you in here, hear me now, some of you in here have been abandoned by your parents. 
Some of you have been rejected by your parents. As hard as it is for us to say that, sometimes you get rejected by your parents. But God never will. First, first probably four months, we came into lead pastor uh, position. Shauna and I came in, and, and we had a meeting with some very key people in the church. And one of the individuals who I loved and trusted with all of my heart, he did something that was so uncharacteristic of him. And he stood against me for a season, for, for that time. I'll never forget this. I'll never, I'll never forget hearing. And I sat in that meeting, and my wife, and my wife was actually, they were, they were, there were people coming at her, and, and I, I just sat there and listened. And what my, what my flesh said is you need to speak up and tell them what you feel. And I said, I'm not going to say anything because I'll probably regret everything that I'll say. And have you ever bit your tongue? Anyone ever? Have you ever not bit your tongue? <laughs> And I listened and I listened. Well, the next day came. We went, we drove home. We were in shock. We were in shock. We drove home. We couldn't even talk. She just looked at me and I looked at her. We didn't know what to say. And I said, God is our vindicator. Came back the next day and this individual requested a meeting with me and he came and he sat and he said, I don't know why I did that. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. I said um, to him, I said, I know why you did it. Because I needed to know that even if those people that I trust the most reject me, that God will stand with me. Sometimes we're hurt by those that we love so that we can learn in that dark place that God will never hurt us. And that we can still love each other. Because from that day on, we started just where we left off. Loved each other. He said, I'm so sorry. He sent flowers to my wife. And, you know, he said, I don't know. He cried. He said, I don't know why I did that. You might have rejected someone. You might have done something uncharacteristic of yourself. You might have done something that you think to yourself, why did I do that? God wants you to know that it was done so that they would find out that he will never reject them. I don't want for any of us to leave here today without understanding that we're never alone when Jesus is our Savior. I don't want anyone to leave here thinking that rejection has got the best of you. The Wilson School, <laughs> there's no kids in there anymore. There's just the voices of the past. Those kids didn't know any, any better. They just thought they were playing with Paco and Taco and Chewy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, life has a way of, life has a way of throwing us curves and 
We just got to hit the ball sometimes. Amen? We just got to get the bat that Jesus gave us, and we got to hit the ball. So you've been rejected. So was Jesus. He understands your pain. So you've rejected people. It's time to stop. Amen? It's time to stop. It's time to own up. It's time to go talk to someone and say, hey, you know what? I've, I've wronged you. I've rejected you. Some of you may be a daughter or a son that they feel rejected. You haven't been there for them. It's time you own up to it. It's time you pick up that device that you're watching Facebook on. Give them a call and say, you know what? I love you. I haven't been there for you. Use it for good. Amen? That, that was straight from the Lord because I didn't know where that came from. I know that the God that we serve is a good God. Doesn't matter what place we're in in life. He's a good God. So, as always, I have some steps that I think will be helpful before I pray. Here are the three things that I think are wonderful uh, action steps or they're wonderful takeaways. Here's the first thing, that connecting to a good church, which I pray that everyone that comes here, you believe this is a good church. It's decent. You know? The preaching isn't that good, but you know everything else is all right. Connecting to a good church where God is revealed as a loving father who accepts you in Jesus is vital to those in dark places. It's vital that you know that God loves you no matter where you're at. We want to be that church for you. Here's number two. To find a small group, small group of people, we have small groups here, where you can connect with people who accept you and don't judge you as vital, is vital for those dark places where you've been rejected. We had a small group this past week, and one of the, one of the, the, the statements that was said still blesses me right now. There was a couple that went there for the first time, and they said, this is the first church that I've been to, that we've been to, that I don't feel judged. And that's, I pray that's for everybody. God didn't come to judge you. Jesus took your judgment on the cross. He don't want to condemn you. He wants to save you. You find a small group. There's, there's a small group at LWC which is right for you. There's a small group that you can make for yourself that will be right for you. And then the third thing, and this is important, guys, because this is something that I've done since I started walking with Jesus. You need to connect to a mentor. You need someone that's going to help you navigate through life. One who will spend one-on-one -on -one with you and will pour grace into your, into your life without any unhealthy expectations. Do you have someone in your life that you can go to that they don't put any unhealthy burdens on you, but they listen to you and they pour Jesus into you? And, and this is important as well, not only do I have mentors, but I always want to be mentoring someone. I want it to be continually going like this. People pouring in and me pouring out. Every one of you needs a mentor. You haven't arrived yet. I don't care who you are. 
and every one of you should be pouring into someone, one person. Amen? Can we be that church? Can we be that? Why am I desiring to meet with 20 and uh, to 40 something? We want to be that church that reaches our generation until the day that we die. Every one of you, every one of you is an impact maker. Every person sitting here is special. But God wants more from you than just to sit in a pew and get pewy. The way that your life changes is by serving. The way that our world changes is by serving. So let's do it together, will we? Can we, can we just say, it? let's do it together. Let's be Jesus to people who need Jesus. So here's my prayer. It's on your outline. You can pray it all week if you want. It's just simple. It's, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for helping me navigate through the dark places in my life. I confess that rejection has made it difficult for me to see you, myself, and others around me through a clear lens. So today I ask you to empower me 